Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is Monday afternoon. It's Haberman and Middlecoff. I'm Guy. That's John. If you're watching this on YouTube, great to have you. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Thanks for being here. Over half of you that watch this video are not subscribed, so subscribe. If you listen on the podcast, good to be heard. And uh, if you haven't heard the podcast, check it out. It's down in the description below. Thanks for listening on the pod, you OG listeners. John, we'll start uh, with this little piece of uh, of news. You just saw this. Uh, this tweet from Dove Kleiman from Brandon Gowton. Some NFL execs around the league are getting annoyed with how much praise Howie Roseman has been receiving per, oh, Peter Schrager, per Peter Schrager. Is that like the equivalent of reporters get annoyed by Dove Kleiman stealing all their shit literally by this tweet? <laughs> I mean, Dove didn't even see Schrager say this. Schrager said it. This guy found it, and then Dove right. stole it from him. It's like right. it's this cycle of if I was Brandon, I'd be like, what the fuck? And the thing with Rahawi, it's like, I'm sorry, guys. If we all acknowledge the best player in the draft, like universally agreed upon, is not a quarterback, it's a defensive tackle. The team that goes to the Super Bowl for the NFC has a 10-point lead lead in the Super Bowl and ultimately gets beat by Andy and Mahomes, but is right there. (laughs) And we go, God, the Eagles got a lot going for them. Has also a top-10 pick because of a previous trade this man uh, landed because he was able to unload Carson Wentz, who fucking does not have a team for a first-round pick, and also ends up with another player from that Georgia defense, like, what are people supposed to say? Eagles, idiots. <laughs> like, Howie, overhyped. I mean, he's, it's, I would argue it's pretty, it's pretty objective they're doing a pretty good job when it just comes to value, wheeling and dealing, right? Who is their best receiver? I don't know. A.J. Brown. Well, how the fuck did they get him? Oh, they, they, they traded one of their first round picks last year. They had three of them. So their three first-round picks, they took a guy, they landed A.J. Brown, and they landed Jalen Carter. By the way, their quarterback is a second-round pick that some people thought shouldn't play quarterback. They just extended him. Nailed that pick. Yeah. I mean, his guy, head guy, coach is a guy nobody was about to hire as a head coach, Nick Sirianni. Guy, their starting left tackle had never played football before he got to the NFL. And now, like, the greatest center of all time, Jason Kelsey, considers him, like, one of the best players he's ever played with, Jordan Melotic, complete freak. A rugby player from fucking New Zealand or Australia that they have converted. Oh, rotational linebacker? No, my starting left tackle. <laughs> Think about that. Like, I, they just have a lot going for them. It's not really arguable. <laughs> I think we all consider, especially those of us talk a lot about the Niners, of, like, they're their biggest foe. Right, sixth longest tenure, a fifth longest tenure GM in the NFL. Do you count sixth, the uh, the what's it called, the sabbatical? Uh, where he moved offices <laughs> and, uh, and, t- and titles. I, he lost some juice, so he, you know. January two thousand ten. Yeah, this counts that. Yeah, this counts that. You know who the longest tenure GM in the NFL is? Everybody out there watching and listening, I mean, think about this one at home. Yeah, it's, no, probably, it's probably Seattle's guy. John Schneider is fifth. 
Uh, well, I mean, you count Bill. Bill is third. Mickey Loomis still the GM of the Saints, or did he just give the? Bill's not the number. Bill's been the GM since. No, it's a, it's a trick question. Oh, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones, the <laughs> longest tenured general manager in the NFL. That's right, Jera. Well, do you see that he's got this guy, Will McVay, who I think that they love him. Jerry loves him. He's he runs their personnel department. And someone asked at the pre-draft press conferences, like, why don't you just name him the GM? And you know, Jerry's like, you know, he's he's well compensated. <laughs> he he he's the manager of all these scouts. I don't do that. That's his. But how could he be the GM when we got a GM? <laughs> like, I, I did not see that. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like he Jerry is so old school. He, let's say you put most people in his shoes that are as rich as him, that have been around football as long. They would just keep doing what they're doing, right? Ultimately, they're the decision maker. But just give the dude the title. Yeah, but Jerry right. Jerry's like, I, I want to be the GM, damn it. <laughs> Nobody can say, like, the owner secretly told them they had to draft, because that was Michael Lombardi's theory on the Texans, is that the owner told the front office, you guys have to draft a quarterback, and that's why they drafted the quarterback and then also traded traded up and drafted Will Anderson because that's the guy they wanted. Um, but in Dallas, there's no, like, the owner secretly behind the scenes. Just like if they draft, the story was they didn't draft Johnny, despite the fact that Jerry wanted to draft Johnny Manziel. Well, because, right? like, Steven and the the his personnel guys were like, Jerry, don't do it. It's like, Jerry's come a long way. He's listening to people in the room. His son <laughs> slash his son, Steven. <laughs> I'm always very, very fascinated by the look of a draft room. Like, what guys are wearing, kind of who's sitting is it a group with like everyone's involved in the room or is it kind of a smaller room? And I always appreciate the Packers because they've obviously been one of the most successful organizations for the last 30 years. There is not the, the most dressed up guy has like khakis and a Packer pullover. I mean, you will see sweats, you'll see shorts. It, they've always been like that from Ron Wolf to Ted, Tom, the Packers have no dress code. And I've, I remember when I worked in the league, talking to people just so fascinating, like, yeah, we wear whatever we want. And you, on the road, wear whatever they want. And then a lot of teams, like Eagles, it was like draft, you know, suits. Uh, obvi- the Raiders have always been like, you know, their GM can fucking wear a hat and like a pullover. It, you do not need to dress up. Someone tweeted at me like the Cowboys draft room looks like a, an evil layer in like a in like a Bond movie. You know, kind of that half circle of like all the dudes wearing suits. Now Jerry Stevens' kid is sitting right next to, there's like a 13-year-old, just like three seats away from Jerry, you know? It's like, and McCarthy's, you can touch him. Yet the the scouts and some of the coaches are pushed back. It's like this fucking 13-year-old right there. Just a crazy world, man. um, I couldn't, I'm looking right now as we're talking for photos. I could swear I saw a photo that the Chargers draft room is just speaking of draft rooms in their locker room, I think, with like folding tables. With did you see that photo? I found one no. from 2022 where it's 100% their locker room in 2022 because in SoFi. Um, so I'm just I don't want to, you know, you think, I don't they wanna, do the, you think they do the draft at SoFi, not their facility? I don't want to besmirch their name, but here's a photo from their draft room in 22 that I'm about to show you on the. And it's definitely the locker room. Now, maybe it is their – no, it says SoFi Stadium. Now, maybe they've updated since then. But 
Yeah, it's not in, like you're talking about. You love to see draft rooms. Like the Chargers have not, unless they's updated. Like these are lockers in their draft room. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I wouldn't about. say they've poured a bunch of money into their. I thought they built a nice facility somewhere. Okay, down so maybe this California. is old, and now they have a real draft room. Yeah, Charger fans, somebody can. Uh, Another great visual from definitely might have been set. It might have been second, third round was like the Giants, which is obviously an old school stiff organization. You got Mora, Tish, Joe Shane, his crew, all jacket sports coats. Then Dayball came in hugging people with Kafka. They're in New York Giants sweats like it's fucking December coaching. <laughs> they, they come in, start hugging. And I, I just love how different groups inside the organization, like Shane's like, hey, this is our dress code. Dable's like, we're good with wearing whatever we want. You know? Yeah, the coaches, this is not their day, right? No, it's not. The, a lot of them, a lot it's of like teams, the were not in the draft for the room. podcast, but a jean jacket for game seven, right? Very, very active coaching. Do you notice that? The last series? Always up near, I noticed yes, it I at the game, that. at game six, he was all over game seven, just up near either Kenny Atkinson or screaming at Kerr or screaming at Poole. It's like, are you, you know, second I thought it was Doug Christie, level, Doug Christie level activity on the sideline. When they took everybody out at the end of game seven, I expected Iguodala to check in and, and, and to be like, oh my God, Iguodala was dressed. No, he was in normal clothes. He was not. Yeah, he, he, he was not. All right, uh, we got a lot, a lot to get to. I guess we, we can hit on that. But let's start with the Niners draft. We did a, uh, some would call it an emergency Friday night, 15, 20 minutes, immediate reaction. If you missed it, you can go watch it after the Niners made one of the most controversial picks of the 2023 NFL draft, John, drafting Jake Moody, kicker, Michigan, end of the third round, big debate about positional value, Big debate about is he how good is he? The last kicker drafted this high lasted one year in the NFL. Aguayo, the highest we talked about this a few weeks ago. Remember the the highest drafted kicker last year was not good. So uh, a lot of um, I, I guess a lot of risk, definitely downside here. The upside that the Niners think they have is that they found their kicker to replace Robbie Gold. As Kyle Shanahan told Jake Moody on the phone, I didn't draft a running back. So uh, we've had a couple days to chew on this, watch the whole draft play out. How are we feeling about it a few days later? Well, remember a couple years ago when the Bengals, their kicker was incredible, McPherson. Yeah. He was, he was, a, he was a fifth round pick. I, I think you could look at it several ways. Like I have an issue with, and I'm a big believer in positional value, and ultimately the draft is a combination of adding sweet players like the goal is to add guys that become impact guys on your on your squad role players just your team and also knowing what they cost right like everyone agrees B. John robinson is fucking awesome he's sweet but everyone remembers when the niners played the falcons last year and they ran it down their throat oh yeah they have a drafted a guy in the fifth round who's sweet they have a million other offensive weapons on their squad already like you don't need that it doesn't make any sense that doesn't mean the player's not good that's also the eighth overall pick like the difference to me between the lions taking a running back at number 12 they had another first round pick and because of the trade they had another pick in the top 35 i think it was pick 34 35 and also by the way may not have they might have had four other guys with a first round grade on their entire board right given the way people thought about this draft could have been one other guy, right? And they went, well, we already get this other pick, so it's actually Gibbs and this other player who turned out to be 
a tight end. So we're getting two players out of this one spot. The Niners had three picks. If they only had one pick in that round, I'd be like, God, that's, that's a pretty big swing. But they had three. So to me, that changes. Like, if you want to take a running back in the first round and you have another pick, like I, you're packaging it with another player, right? Like, ultimately, the Lions took Gibbs and a defensive player, a front seven, a linebacker out of Iowa. Now, is that guy any good? I don't know. I saw a lot of people who were like, I didn't know Dan, because the guy's last name was Campbell. Is this guy related to Dan? It's like, listen, I, I, whatever. But the Niners had three picks. And one thing was clear watching these guys talk over the weekend Robbie Gold coming back was never an option for them because it's all money. They, they, they cannot afford at this point in time moving forward to pay a kicker four, five, six million dollars. They're not in that part of their team building anymore, right? And this is part of being a GM. It's why for so many years, Bill got credit of doing, it wasn't just like, oh, he traded Logan Mankins a year earlier. It was like he got rid of Vinna fucking Terry, who had walk-off field goals in the Super Bowl and went on to continue his legend with Indy. But what did he do? He replaced him with a young kicker. Why? Because financially, you kind of have to do that. So to me, like none of these players, the other guys they've drafted are not going to play for this team or start for this team. Last year, it was like we loved their second round and third round. They got Danny Gray, they got Ty Davis Price, and they got Drake Jackson. None of them started. And when you really look at the totality of the season, a team that became a powerhouse and won 13 games and was tied going into the second half or you know toward this toward the end of the first half of the NFC Championship game on the road with their backup uh, quarterback. Those guys played zero role, really, beside like special teams. So these third-rounders more than likely are not going to play a big role. Where this kicker, I mean, in theory, is your immediate starter. And like we said, I think, on Friday night, like, I, I, I completely get it. Like, He's just got to make kicks now. If he doesn't make kicks, it's a disaster. If he makes kicks, like it's well worth it. They need a guy at that spot. Is there a chance like this was the only kicker that we thought was worth using a pick? We don't have a fourth round pick. I think if they only had the one third round pick, right? Like a lot of drafts, right? You just got to pick a round. I'd be like, God, that's that's pretty crazy. But they had two other picks, and they got, you know, positions of need. They need a tight end. They need a safety. So it's like. I judge you based on the amount of picks you have and what you do with them. I, I think when you, I just look at the totality of that, you know, pick, I think they ended up trading up to like pick 87 or whatever, but like, I, I got no issue with it. Yeah. When you have, um, the, you remember when Micah Parsons said he wouldn't pay, he sent a Coke back at a restaurant because it was too expensive. Just fundamentally, he wouldn't pay whatever it was like $3. I'm not paying $4 for a Coke. Like it's just bad business. That's not generally how people think, right? Like the more money you have, the less you think about cost of small things. And, um, or at least the less you have to, some people do still, they're frugal and that's maybe why they have money. But the less money you have, the more you are likely, I think, to drive a little further for a cheaper grocery store, as opposed to if you have a lot of money, you might go just to the closest grocery store, even if it's a specialty food store and things are a little more expensive. And the Niners in this draft had a lot of, they didn't have first and second round money, but they had a lot of picks. And what did they absolutely need? They absolutely needed a kicker. If I told you that the Niners drafted the positions they drafted, like rewind a week, and I said, here's who the Niners draft. They draft kicker, they draft safety, they draft tight end, corner, outside linebacker, 
uh, wide receiver, tight end, or I said tight end. But if I said those positions, you would know of all of those guys. I didn't tell you any rounds. I just said kicker, receiver, safety, linebacker, D-lineman, tight end. You would know of those six positions, one of them is the, mo- is the most likely to play week one. You would know that it's the kicker, right? You would know that from the jump. That's the guy. So if I told you they got him in the seventh round or the fourth round, you would know that guy is the most likely guy to play. Because right. the only the the only pushback on the kicker is historically you don't need to draft a kicker high to get a good one. They go as undrafted free agents, which is one hundred percent a fact. And if I was a bad team, like I, I would judge it differently if you told me the Texans use one of their third round picks on a kicker. If you know the Titans or the Tampa Bay Bucks or the Arizona Cardinals, I'd be like that makes no sense. But the Niners like. It makes much more sense. If you told me the Cowboys, the Niners, right? I, I'm talking teams that go, we can win the Super Bowl next year. Right. The bang like the Bengals had or the Bills. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> you know? Especially when you factor in that they had other two picks surrounding him. If it was their only pick, I'd be like, that puts a even added pressure. Cause that was your only resource to add other positions. But that wasn't the case. Now they also, it's not like they haven't somewhat hedged their bet. They traded for Zane Gonzalez, who, when he's been healthy, has been viewed as a pretty talented kicker. So it's not like this guy gets to come in Trey Lance style last year and just give him the job. Like, there is going to be, like it or not, I mean, he's going to have to play better than this guy. Like, I, I was thinking this today at the gym. If you told me that that Moody has a training camp from hell, shanking kicks, missing him in preseason games, and Gonzalez's money, Kyle Shanahan will not give a fuck. They will keep Zane Gonzalez over this guy, right? If it's a, what was, what was the guy's name? Uh, Aguayo situation. And, Z- and Zane Roberto. is good. Yeah. Like they, they will not just like let this guy, and then we'd be like, that's a disastrous pick, which it right. would be. But like they're not just going to hand this guy the gig. He's they're going to be multiple kickers, right? Him and another guy who's on the team. Like that's just the way the business works. And they would tell you, well, if then Zane becomes good, it was worth you know whatever. And I'd be like, yeah, because ultimately the money. Well, I don't care. It does not matter. It just saw a million guys in the first round, including Kinlaw. I haven't seen the actual number, but it it feels closer to 15, 16, 18, declining their fifth year options. So the the hit rate on just and just because you get your fifth year option picked up like Tua does not mean you got some fifteen year career ahead, right? Brandon Ayuk might not be on this team in a couple years. Now that doesn't mean Brandon's not a good player, but you know, like there's a big there's a there's different lines of the fifth years, right? There's the Herberts, the Burrows, the Justin Jeffersons. Then the, like Ayuk's not even in that group, right? Right. So th- this notion that like third round, what do you mean third round? We, how many third rounders have we seen fucking can't play dead in the Western? So this notion that the kicker who never missed a playoff kick, some legendary stories coming out of Michigan, how he wasn't the highest recruited guy. He kicks in weather, right? I I like that because you might have to go to Philly or New York or these teams over the years. Yep. I mean, one thing Robbie had going for him, right? Long time in Chicago, you trusted him in cold weather games. Hell, he likes Chicago much more than he likes California in terms of you know, it, it was up to him. Remember, he wanted to go back to the Bears years ago, and they like right. franchise tagged him and argued with him. 
one other thing on this, John, that's different than when we talked about it Friday night. We had the rest of the draft played out. And what happened? The Niners drafted the kicker at 99. The Patriots traded up at the top of the fourth round to take a kicker, 112. So as you said earlier, like the Niners might have had this guy ranked much higher over the next guy on their board. The guy we talked about, Chad Ryland from Maryland. That's who the Patriots took? The Patriots moved up with the Jets and took him with pick 112. So, so it, it was clear in this draft there were a couple guys head and shoulders viewed as not just draftable kickers, but really good prospects, right? I think that's yeah. fair to say. Yep. yep. I mean, would you say Bill's got a pretty good idea? <laughs> Bill's got a good idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, what's unique, it's not kickoff and kicker are not, and place kicker are not two different positions. Um, but on the Niners, they're the same position. Right. Wisnowski is not going to kick off so that I, we talked about this a ton. I'm not going to reiterate it. We talked about it on Friday night. I've talked about it before in the kicker breakdown video we did a month and a half ago. But you have to kick off if you're so the Niners don't if they've got a guy that they think is the best place kicker and he's the best kickoff guy and his kickoff numbers were better than Chad Rylands, who was also a good kickoff guy from Maryland. Chad Ryland was a fifth year transfer from Eastern Michigan, whatever that's worth. But then, you know, if 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 um if he's the best kickoff guy and kickoff coverage has been a problem for you, that's also a part of it, right? You you are factoring in, you are helping your defense as well if you get a better kickoff guy than you've had. Well, th- then here's part of the value argument. If Bill had an idea trading up to get this guy at 112, from 99 to 112, which is obviously not many spots, the range of these kickers going, I would say coming to the draft, maybe they thought somewhere between 90 and 120. And obviously, they don't have a fourth-round pick. So based on where the other kicker went, you could argue it's really not that crazy because both kickers could have been gone in the fourth round where they weren't doing business. And I, I saw someone also on, the, on a comment say, you know, it was a free pick. And that does get back to some of the things you were saying if, in, in, oh, in defense comp. of the people. Like, you were – like, if I just give you $50,000 – and you invest it well, you can turn that thing into two hundred. But if you just blow it, it's just gone. That that was your money. Like that is your yeah. Pick. That's the psychology of saving of of, of a sale, right? Yeah. If something costs one hundred and fifty dollars, and oh my god, it's thirty three percent off. I got it for a hundred dollars. You're like, I saved fifty dollars. Well, yeah, you spent a hundred dollars is what you did, right? So what did you spend it on? Did you spend it on something of a value? But you're right. Like this, the second you get a comp pick, it's just one of your picks, whether it's comp or not. Like your compensatory third pick is not. You don't you, you don't play games with that thing when you treat your fourth round pick very seriously. Your comp third is more valuable than the fourth that you earned. But but I just think we look back a couple years ago when they traded Buckner for that pick thirteen. They're very. It's hard to say lucky because they executed then the trade back a spot. Remember, and then they got back up to get Ayuk. But if they had just used pick 13 on Kinlaw, we'd view that as just, I mean, an utter disaster, right? Like, you traded Buckner for this guy who is fucking stinks, injured. Yeah. I mean, you declined a fifth-year option with – there wasn't much dialogue. Passed on a tackle. <laughs> yeah. So it's just – so, but it shows you, like, they got two picks in that draft, and thank God for their second pick, Right. And then we're talking about a first round, right? In a loaded first round. I'm pretty sure that draft, the Burroughs, the Herberts, the Chases, I mean, there are some pretty good players in that bad boy. <laughs> so th- this notion that, 
the receivers. You, know. you get to the third round. Like, you and I love Ty Davis Price. You just watch him. I, everyone I texted couldn't get on the field, couldn't sniff the field. They had to make a midseason trade for Christian McCaffrey. So it's just nobody knows. It's the one thing I feel very, very confident on is I, I will never make any like you can make more concerted like conviction opinion on a on like a second day pick. Like I really like this guy. Because consistently really good player, second, third round. I think once you get to like pass pick a hundred, every single year you go to practice, you're like, wait, this guy was their fourth round pick? And the undrafted free agent by the second week of training camps above him. It happens every camp all over it's the cool part about the NFL it's the fifth round pick really means nothing and especially, you see all these players try to tell on, you that would you agree especially on good teams like on a good team here's the theory the theory would be on a good team you draft a guy in the fourth round you have an undrafted guy what matters the most is not that you justify your fourth round pick what matters the most is that you win right so on a on a good team, your undrafted guy might just be better. You don't have time to fuck around with, and it makes us look bad. We took that guy in the fourth. We got to invest some more time in it. I'd say your entire draft and even your high picks, like ultimately Kinlaw, in a weird way, is irrelevant. <laughs> He's not because they've had to spend money on it, but like his failure did not impact the success these last couple years of the 49ers. Where, for example, the Raiders and Niners, when both teams sucked, and they take Cleveland Farrell and Solomon Thomas, that sets you back a little bit because ideally right. you need that guy to be Khalil Mack. You need that guy to be Aiden Hutchinson. Once you get good, if you go for 20 years, look at some of Belichick's top picks, like whatever, but he's like, well, we found this guy in the third and this guy in the fifth. No different than the Niners. Well, it's like, well, we ended up with Warner and Hufunga and Kittle. But like shitty teams cannot operate like that. Like the Texans, if C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson – if C.J. Stroud's a top-seven quarterback, then Will Anderson ultimately doesn't matter. But if C.J. Stroud turns out to be like Jared Goff, even, even a solid starter, Will Anderson also has to be pretty good, too, or that whole right. thing's just kind of a disaster, right? right? But, but by drafting Will Anderson, if Stroud is just a solid starter and Will Anderson's a really good a Pro Bowl-level player, it's a home run. B- fuck yeah, it is. Right, which without Will Anderson, if he turns into Goff, it's like, ugh. That's an if, overdraft. If Will Anderson is Khalil Mack and ultimately C.J. Stroud is just Derek Carr, you're in great shape. You, right. you, those guys get extensions, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it goes back to – I was just going to kind of talk big picture about the Niners draft class. When you look historically, it's – you know, people ask, like, are we going to give grades on this draft class? No. I think this is the time, not that we're going to go deep into it. It's the time to give – to evaluate a year ago, right? Like a year ago, the Drake Jack – this time last year, the Drake Jackson pick – was a whole, oh, what a great value, end of the second round. He flashed this year. But now is the time for Drake Jackson to step it up. This year. This is a big year for Drake Jackson. I, I don't know. It felt like an A pick a year ago. Today, I'd say it's a C mi- a B minus C, maybe. We got to see. Like, he's he's got to take the step they thought he was going to take. Ty Davis Price, love the pick. Uh, okay, played in six well, games. It, it, last was year. he is he active on game day? Is he playing? Like are, are are the are all three of those guys? I think there's way more pressure on Drake Jackson than the other Danny Gray and Ty Davis Price, just because yeah. they have other sweet players at those positions. Right. So they need Drake Jackson, given that like they lose, they lost pass rushers. Right. Their edge rushers got free agent <laughs> contracts. So it's like, can Drake Jackson just become like? They don't need him to be the next 
Hassan Reddick or whatever, but can he just be like, God, we feel really good about this guy getting 25 snaps a game. And right. he can get, you know, a sack number can't be two, but it doesn't have to be 12, but it's like, you know, he causes pressure. He has a couple games where at the end of the season, you're like, oh, he had eight sacks, and he was just a fucking really good player for us. To me, it turned into last year, they didn't, they couldn't count on him, right? They like they scrapped him. Yeah, they you would love him. to know right now, I am getting 20 snaps out of him week 16 against the Seahawks on Monday Night Football or whatever, right? Like, I, I'm counting on 20. I know I'm getting 20 good snaps out of him, but they can't say that right now. That's what they hope. Um, well, but I, they got spent- I, I was always taught in the, in the, the first year between the second year, so like Drake Jackson's this offseason, for guys that didn't do shit, is enormous for them because they can really gain confidence. Typically, you know, when you've drafted a guy, hell, even a first-round pick, but a first, second-round pick, they just tend, because of the turnover in the league, to get more reps in the offseason, which Drake surely will, right? He's going to get a lot of action. And unlike leading up to the draft, a guy like Drake Jackson – you're not working out or training, right? You're just constantly taking visits, visits, meeting. You're just nonstop. So you just show up. You have to like kind of start your workouts from scratch. Where this whole offseason, they started working him out held during the season. And like in theory, if he's going to be any good, we should really see a big maturation kind of coming into this year. Yeah, yeah. We saw, we saw it with Banks, right? Last year. Took yeah. a huge jump from a guy that was unplayable to just – Starting left guard all season long, I think the Niners don't even think twice about it now, right? And they would say if that if what you just described happens, it would look like that's what was the plan. Because you'd go, remember, USC, very different situations, never had a consistent plan for him, weird off seasons. Now we're going to put him in the system, give him two years. and Pick 60. It's not like he was picked 20, right? Right. right. Uh, but they got what they get out of the draft. They got Spencer Burford, who was critical for them 16 games. They got Samuel Womack who projects as more critical for them and played a role, 16 games. Um, And obviously they got Brock Purdy, right? Let's not bury the lead. The year before, they got Aaron Banks. They got Jalen Moore. They got Diamador Lenore. They got Talanoa Hufunga. They got Elijah Mitchell, right? That was the Trey Lance draft. But that was a lot of depth there and starters. The year before that, the Kinlaw draft, it was really Ayuk, McKivitz, Juwan Jennings, Charlie Warner. All these guys were on the team. Bosa, Samuel, Wisnowski, Greenlaw. So when you remove kind of the positional value of each pick, they've, they've had really good drafts. And, you know, I, right at this point, like you'd say Spencer Burford, fourth rounder, that would you call that an a draft pick a, a year later? Yeah. I've, I've never seen the guy rotate, but yeah, it was, I, I'd give it a B plus <laughs> played significant time on a team that needed him, right? They it, needed it, him. That's the pushback of like, would you draft a guard in the first round? I give well, him the mental toughness on handling the rotation, too. You know, if you get Larry Allen, for sure. But, like, you can always find guards in the later rounds, which is true of kickers. The difference is, like, ultimately, if I draft a guard in the fourth, he does not have to start for me. Like, if Burford couldn't have started last year, someone else would have started, and he probably wouldn't notice much. Where, like, the kicker, a little like the quarterback, you're just, it's just you, right? Like, it's... Once the Cowboys had that situation at the end of the season, there was no like, well, just rotate some other guys and like we got a slot receiver. You know they worked some guys out? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just, you're fucked. Before so the it, playoff game? There's no, to me, there's no like middle ground with Moody. He either becomes your starting kicker and you feel good about it or you're, it's a disaster. That's just that black and white. Where all these other positions, like 
kind of plays itself out. You know, like, is Hufunga just going to be some lock all pro guy moving forward? I wouldn't go that far. But can he be a five-year, six-year starter for you? I'd feel pretty good. And that, and that is a lot of positions. Most positions are not Kittle and Warner. They're going to go down like, is that like the second best middle linebacker we've ever had? You know, is that the most talented tight end we've ever had? Yeah. Right? The, like, that's not typical. Like, yeah, the 49ers in the history of the franchise, yeah, we've never had a Debo in a franchise that had Jerry Rice, right? So it just, like, most teams are like, yeah, we felt pretty good about this guy for a long period of time. And that's fine. Where the kicker, it's like, you're either like Robbie Gold or it's just, we're just looking for a new kicker next year. And they, they will. That's the thing. Yeah. That, the one thing I feel good about this operation of like the safety linebacker, you can just keep drafting those positions well, and kind of it let it, the kicker. It's like if this guy's a fucking disaster, like Aguayo was, he just won't be on the team in yeah. 18 months. It's just a missed pick. It's just like drafting, um, uh, What's his name? The the running back from Ohio State. We talked Trey Sermon in the third round, right? He was pick eighty eight. You'll just pivot. He was, a, I mean, you could barely be less of a non factor than he was for the 49ers. I know kickers kind of like quarterback in the sense that if you don't have a top ten guy, you're just constantly looking for another guy. Um, they drafted the, the. Here's the other thing they did. They drafted two tight ends. I think there is something to be said, and the the. You know, I don't know if you uh, – I know you saw what Kyle Shanahan said about Cameron Latu from um, Alabama, who they drafted two spots after Moody, because his testing is, like, off the charts the wrong direction in terms of athleticism. Like, didn't jump high, didn't yeah, move like, well. Yeah, like, I, somebody uh, tweeted a graph of, like, all the athletic testing for tight ends over the years, and it's like, you know, lower left is where you don't want to be. But like Shanahan – Kittle, like, I think Kittle was the Kittle's opposite. Kittle's, like, upper right. Tester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of Shanahan's thing was this is a converted defensive end. We think there's more in his body. And obviously, like, there's something to be said about getting him around George Kittle, who has become like the Pied Piper for tight end workouts. So there's that. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock. So, look, outside of Moody, somebody else in this draft class is going to end up playing like 14 games for them. Now, maybe it's D winners playing a bunch of special teams, but maybe it's Jair Brown, week five, something happens, and all of a sudden he's playing a bunch of safety. Like it happens every year, it's going to well, happen again. Well, the, the second tight end is up for grabs. Like it, this guy can come in; he's coming in from Alabama, can win the job and just be playing right there with Kittle. Yeah, you mean like take Charlie Warner snaps? Yeah, yeah. Dwellies, you know the Warners of the world. Like that is a winnable position. And the reality is, like if Kittle misses games, they just patchwork that position, right? They end up using use check over there. Some they use an extra tackle, so it's like. They don't just rely on the next man up at tight end to just play tight end. That's what makes that a little unique. That's right. You you are second on the depth chart is way less snaps than the number two tight end is way less impact in the pass in the passing game, right? Yeah, like if Christian McCaffrey pulls a hamstring and has to miss two weeks, and I guess I was gonna say when Elijah Mitchell just well, he'd have to be healthy too. If he was he could just get back to back games of twenty five carries a game, right? Like, if he's healthy, he would just be the full-time. They would just ride him. That's the one thing. If you get run, if you if Kyle Shanahan signs you as a running back, you're going to have tape to show other people because there will be one game where you score, you know, you, you get the chance. Like, Trey Sermon had the chance got hurt. He even told Moody. He's like, you know, we're not taking a running back here. <laughs> Did you think he was – he said it as like a, even though that's what I wish I could do? 
I, I, I think it's got to be an inside joke between him and like the scouts. Like Kyle just wants, like, we better take running back. Every inside year. joke? I think we're all in on the joke, John. It's <laughs> yeah, not so it's, not, it's not an inside joke. But I, I think it's an inside joke in the sense that like they talk about it a lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that's like, what was, did you send me or I sent you one of us the tweet that Kyle Shanahan said? All my buddies around the league when we drafted draft the kicker texted me, like laughing at me. Yeah. So he's he's in on the jokes. He's uh, lucky that a lot of his buddies, and this is where they're able to do shit like this, is like four playoff wins in two years. That's right. I bet a lot of those people laugh. texting him would take yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay on the stream says, I'm 20 minutes behind. Hopefully you talk about undrafted free agent Joey Fisher. Shepherd University, John, a 4940, 40 reps on the bench, which was the, uh, the most of any offensive lineman. Although there was Andrew Voorhees who – I don't know how many reps he had, but he did the bench. Remember, he's the guy from SC who did the the bench with a torn ACL at the Combine, who the Ravens yeah. drafted in the seventh round. Kind of an interesting pick. Um, but yeah, Shepard, you ever uh, you ever scout Shepard College? Couldn't huh? even begin to tell you where it is. I, I do think that's one of the things that makes football so much different than the other two major sports. Uh, no, no shot at you, hockey. Actually, did enjoy. I watched a little bit of the. Uh, of the bees game last night, they got sixty-five wins, got KO'd in the first round. Oh wow! What? Biggest, I think it's one of the biggest NHL upsets ever. Uh, but like that guy from Shepherd, it's not crazy. It'd be crazy if he made the team, but like he easily could be on the practice squad, right? Like in the NBA, there's usually one or two spots open on any, especially a good team. It's usually one. Remember a big like the last several years, it was like Gary Payton against. It wasn't Patrick Beverly, but whoever that dude, they put, oh, Avery Bradley. Like, so it's like a famous guy against Gary Payton, who's like famous name, but that's just like one spot in football. There are a ton of spots open, right? Special teams, the practice squad jobs, like these random, like that guy can make the team. Like I can be on the 49ers 100%. And he will be given the opportunity in practices when the threes come out. An underrated part about it, NFL practice during camp, the threes get more reps. Now, they don't mean anything to us on the sideline. We're not locked in. Like I don't care. But, like, the coaches all watch that film. Like, they're getting three reps at a time, right? You're out right. there. So you start doing some sweet shit, you get noticed. Especially at that position group, offensive line, where there's Trent Williams and then anybody else can be it can start for them, right? There's no, like, well, we're not taking any snaps from Brendel. Now, Brendel, you know, there's not a lot of centers, but you know what I'm saying. Like, nobody else – Trent's on scholarship. Nobody else is on scholarship. The other four spots are open and available. So, well, when that, you, like, they didn't draft – here's the other thing. Historically, under Kyle and John, this is their seventh draft. The previous six years, I just quickly added it up, they, they averaged two and a half linemen per draft, either offensive or defensive linemen. They didn't take any offensive linemen this year and took one defensive lineman. And as you said before, when I told you that, it's that, well, of course, like those positions are, there's no spots for you, yeah. right? But there is a spot for competition for an undrafted guy at offensive line. Yeah, well, I mean, you got a couple spots on your practice squad. I, I, I just think any team going into training camp, because it's hard to evaluate the lines, Especially, it's impossible to evaluate the offensive line during OTAs because there's no pads. You can evaluate like, oh, Drake Jackson looks quicker off the line of scrimmage, but it's mm -hmm. not like his strength. A lot of positions are set now, right? Like, 
they're not worried about banks, right? They're obviously not worried about Trent. I think Jake clearly established himself at center. And if Burford is just like, they're not going, God, he's gotten worse. If he's just solid, like he's just going to be your starter. They'll figure out the ta- the right tackle well, spot. Yeah, which is this, I think it's going to be, it's McKivitz right now. Yeah, I mean, so exactly. So he have to, but he'll still have to somewhat earn it, but it's like him versus one other guy. Yeah. The other spots are open. It's like, well, just competition. Who's going to be our backup? Who's going to be our swing guy? And that's no different than every single camp, right? And when you are, the thing is like non, you know, for the most part, a third, it's very rare for a third rounder to get cut. You're not guaranteed to make the team starting in the fourth round. I can easily cut you as like a wide receiver, a tackle, a safety, whatever. You can get cut. Obviously, fifth, sixth, seventh, get cut. Tyler Wilson. You're not guaranteed anything. And sometimes, like, what if a practice squad guy on your team has gotten a lot better? That's be, what if I what if I claim a guy on another team? There's just a lot of moving parts in football. Right there, there aren't as many guys on scholarship as it often feels. Mm. And even if a guy's on the team, it might just mean like, well, we just haven't been able to upgrade it yet, but we're fucking looking. Yeah. They also don't have like they they don't have a lot of safeties depth right right now. They got like three guys. Well, they got Gibson the and Funga, right? Right, Are and then starters? George Odom. Which is special, yeah. You know, it's like it like George Odom. They signed last year. You're right. Special teams, Gibson. They added late. That's it. So, you know, like to me, it makes sense. You you are projecting a year out to replace Gibson, but you're also thinking the first guy we draft, if we draft this, like your safety might, whoever you drafted, and in this case it was their first pick, just might have to play early. One one thing happens, one injury happens. Just it can happen quick. And linebacker, right? They don't have they don't have a ton of experience at linebacker. They've got Fred and Greenlaw, and after that, it's. The two hyphenated guys, Flanagan Fowles and uh, McCrary Ball. Well, losing Al Shire is a loss. Or in I mean, Al Shire at any moment could start for you and you could win a sweet game against the best team in the league, right? With him taking your 50, 60 snaps. Yeah. Like that, that's that's a real NFL player. That's Starter, that's a that's a that's a that's a loss. I mean now I think the one thing they'd say is like, we're pretty good at this, figuring out that position. Right. That's yeah. Well, but my point is not. I'm just saying they drafted that position because they need it, as opposed to yeah. drafting offensive line or defensive line. Uh, Jesse on the stream says, "Did y'all see the video of Sean Payton taking a fat bong rip, electric, yeah. with a kid in a Warriors shirt?" By the way, Sean Payton getting after it. He's getting some instruction on how to do it, and he. Wow, that is. I've not seen this. Have you seen this? Yeah. It's like, yeah, weed's legal in Denver, guys. This is a lot. We've come a long way since Laramie Tunzel. I think there's a remember his daughter, maybe that's in LA. I think his daughter lives in LA. Just hanging out with the fellas. I could see him come over. Yeah. Maybe, buy, you know, it's one of those where he like buys his daughter, boyfriend, a couple other friends. Then they go, yeah, who knows? <laughs> Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me. And use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs 
not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Butcherbox.com slash HAM helps you make good decisions. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time to top it off the performance package throws in two free gifts boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code ham at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping manscaped.com code ham when things get hairy make sure to call on manscaped in clutch time can i tell you about my friends very very good friends and mainly because i've been using this app for a long time game time They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you Sightline on the app, and uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough, and here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Tacovas. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to, I don't know, 10 years ago. She had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. So she went to Tecovas. 
tecovas.com and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to tecovas.com. These boots are Austin designed, Texas tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. And it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great. But having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything. From t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection. Or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, what else we got? Oh, you know, we got to talk about Brandon Ayuk, who tweeted that his agent called him Sunday morning, and it scared him because he thought he was about to get traded. Thursday. Thursday morning, sorry. Day of the, day of the first round, right? Thursday morning, yeah. No, uh, no, it would have been Friday got, morning. He got well. He got the fifth year option picked up on su- Sunday. Officially, we found out. No, it, get, it I'm, came I'm out on fr- up right now. It came out on Friday. I think he got called Friday morning by his agent, freaked out, and then the, it, it was official before the draft started on Friday afternoon that his fifth year option was picked okay. up. Okay, so there had been some talk about whether or not he had one year left, but maybe there was more smoke to were they open to trading him at some point in this year's draft because he thought something could be up, right? It wasn't something everyone just made up. If it was a media rumor, he believed it, right? 
I don't think his heart jumped two weeks ago when his agent called him. I, I would not have done it, but I do think they were open to the possibility. Again, a big picture move. They've been ruthless before for trading and for one of those wide receiver needy teams in the in the early twenties. If the guy that they wanted, I would imagine it would have been a lineman, right? They're, they're not trading him for a safety or a corner. To me, they would trade him for like this is our plug and play right tackle who maybe can play left tackle, right? Who's, you know, a type guy that like, well, if Trent went down, we can bump him over. Feels like their type move. A big body or maybe one, some sweet pass rusher. Well, none of those wide receivers, I mean, the first wide receiver that came off the board was 20. I wonder if those guys had gone, like that happens in a lot of draft, and those teams like the Chargers, the Giants, I don't know the Giants that are going to take it a wide receiver, but the, the Ravens, would one of those teams have been open for trading? Like last year, remember Hollywood Brown, Got traded to the Ravens in the mid-20s. I think Brandon Ayuk's a better player than him at the same time. And definitely a more consistent, like, easygoing guy. That I wonder if it was simply business. Like, it was just, we're going to keep our options open. And I know a lot of people, because I think I tweeted this out, like, well, Justin Herbert got his option picked up on Friday morning, too. Like, it's a little different. Like, John Lynch couldn't answer with a straight face. Brandon Ayuk's situation... Obviously, Justin Herbert's not on the fucking trade block. And I'm not even saying if Brandon Ayuk was on the trade block. I wonder if they had just had discussions. Because they, they had admitted they had received calls about him. So his value to me was like, based on previous, would you have traded him for 21 for a right tackle? Like, if that had happened, are we sitting here like, that's a pretty ballsy fucking move, I would say. It would have been, right. I mean, for, you know, and the receivers all got drafted together, basically, at the end of the first round. In rapid fire, all three. Four right? in a row. Four uh, in a row. Yeah, four in a row. Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. Boom, 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 boom. So those are the teams you're talking about. You wouldn't trade them to Seattle. Doesn't that feel kind of what he would go for, 22, 23, 21? Where he was drafted? Well, I mean, it's tough, right? I would say it's where he was drafted and his value is better now than it was when he drafted, but it's a sliding scale. You also have the cost now is going to be higher on him than when he was drafted, right? Well, if you traded for him like Hollywood, you just, I think Hollywood might have been on his fifth-year option. You would have two years. If you pick up the fifth-year option, you basically have two years under that total, right? The thing that makes it hard, though, John, is he has a higher value now than he did when you drafted him, but when you draft around the 20s a receiver, this is what you're expecting. So if you're a team drafting it... Well, do you think Jordan Addison's a better player than Brandon Ayuk? Like, what you've seen out of Brandon Ayuk in the NFL in the biggest moments, like, do you expect Jordan Addison to be that good? Uh, No, I think you bet against it. But at the same time, he was the Blitnikoff Award winner two years ago. Like, if you're the Vikings, you go, what makes more sense for us? We're about to change quarterbacks next year. Why would we acquire Brandon Ayuk now when we can just draft Jordan Addison and hope that he becomes as good or better a player, right? It's like he's worth more than 24 to you, but if you're sitting at 24 and you have receivers available to you that you like, you just take those guys. And it's like part of the reason you're trading for him because you're not willing to pay Debo and him. Well, we're about to give Justin Jefferson way more money than Debo got, right? Right. Well, imagine you're put the shoe on the other foot. The Niners are sitting there at 21 and they need a receiver. And you got four receivers, three receivers available. Do you trade 21 for Brandon Ayuk, or do you just draft the best receiver there? I saw some highlights of Zay Flowers. I wasn't super locked into Boston College. I was like, God, I see a little yeah. Debo-ish here. He looks kind of sweet. The problem is he like the, the argument is like, well, should you have drafted a tight end for Lamar instead of the Zay Flowers type? But you're right. I mean, it's... I mean, the comp they use, which... I, I, 
it's the easiest thing to do. It's like, who's Michael Mayer? Gronk. Who's Zay Flowers? Tyreek Hill. Like, no, those guys. <laughs> so there are going to be two Tyreek Hills playing in the NFL at the same time when we've but, never had a Tyreek Hill playing for 50 years of football? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but who knows? Um, but I, I think the fact that he, you know, it, 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 and who knows who they liked. Like, the problem is there wasn't even – the tackles didn't go anywhere close to the receivers, right? Um, maybe it's a D lineman. Maybe. Who would they have – you couldn't do it. Could you do it for Kalijah Cansey? Was that the guy from Pitt? Yeah. I heard Rosillo like, you are not allowed just because the guy's from Pitt and somewhat undersized. So then compare him to Aaron Donald. Same type deal. It went like back to back to back picks. It's like, who's this guy? Tyree Kill. Who's this guy? You know, fucking um, you know, think whoever the best players are at the position. It's like, this is a bad draft, and we're in the we're in the late teens, 20s, and we're comparing them like three straight first ballot Hall of Famers? What are we doing? I, I wonder if they would have felt like we need a top, like, 15 pick in order to trade Ayuk, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe it was because just again, what, keep trading him for open. 22, trading him for 21, like, the perception in this draft was you're getting a second-round graded player. Yeah. So if you could trade him and get one of the top tackles that all the guys that went in the top 14 and get Broderick Jones or I don't even know Peter Skaronsky maybe they do that it just well one thing I'd heard about Skaronsky you got short arms people think he's more likely well, to I don't think they would have liked Broderick Jones or the guy or Paris Johnson I think yeah. when did Broderick go didn't he go like 14 to the Steelers 14 and the tape was just like blows your mind when you watch him move I mean he move I I'm not saying he's Trent, but when you it just made you think of Trent when you watch a man six eight, he's three oh eight. Where'd he go to college? Stink. Well, I'll give you like a guess. Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> so do you know that Georgia had twenty one players drafted the last two years and fourteen are off the twenty one defense? So like of the twenty one defense, obviously because you know, a bunch got drafted last year, but then several got drafted this year, like yeah. Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, wow. another corner. 14 guys off one Keely defense. Ringo. 14 guys. Eagles took well, Eagles took Ringo, right? You know when you're like watching team play, it's like, who's a pro on this unit? Everyone and four of the backups are all. Yeah, like, well, there's only 11 that play defense, John. How did 14 of them get drafted? So 14 of them got drafted. Them Seven of them were first-rounders. Wow. I mean, they didn't win back-to-back national championships. Stetson Bennett practice against pretty good defense. Yeah. Did yeah. him and Hayner, they went back-to-back picks? Hayner went and then bet, and then Stetson Bennett went. Yeah, back-to-back picks. Uh, I To the Rams. You know, Jake definitely made the right decision because he would not have been a fourth-round pick if he would have came out last year. No, I'm, you t- I remember you talked to some people last year about where they had him. Yeah, late-round pick. And in a weird way, I wonder if getting injured helped him. Because it was like the team fell apart, right? Team fell apart. Then he came back. How about Cropper did not get drafted? No. What happened? Got signed by Dallas, I think. Injuries? I mean, I I remember watching him thinking like he's an NFL player. I know. Something uh, was something was off there. I don't know. Weird. Not a great sign. No. Hanner goes to New Orleans. Just I mean, where Derek Carr is. So did, did and Jameis is. Did the running back get drafted? Uh, not that I saw. I mean, but he's a fifth or he's an older running back. Oh, yeah. You tell me. No, I don't. Jordan Mims. 
now it's weird at positions like, you know, the top LSU, that Butte guy didn't get, you know, didn't get drafted in the sixth round. Like things yeah. get weird with position players quick. Jordan Mims signed with the Buffalo Bills and undrafted free agent. Not going to lie, kind of like that signing. If you tell me Jordan Mims makes the Bills, I guess they signed Latavius Murray today too, but who knows? Like this is the part of the NFL. Like Latavius Murray, like at 31 years old, like is, can he, what if Jordan Mims just comes in as good? Yeah. You know, it happens every single year all over the league. Veteran player already. Yeah. Play, I'm just saying he's played a lot of football. Latavius. Uh, no, Jordan Mims. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seattle, Philly, Dallas, NFC. We talked about, we hit on this a little bit on Friday night, but um, it was pretty clear coming into Friday night that there was, the Niners didn't need immediate starters, but they needed to draft players that would help them on the continuum of remaining really good as your team gets expensive. Because I thought Philly was, and I'm not on a limb here. I mean, most people probably would agree. Philly and Seattle were two of the most interesting teams going into round one. Philly, definitely. Not just because they won the NFC, but because they just signed their quarterback to a big contract. So now, once you start the quarterback, sign the quarterback, your clock really starts ticking on. You better be able to be drafting starters. And they drafted, we'll see if they turn out to be starters, but they look like incredible value, high talent players, right? Seattle, we talked about Smith and Jigba. They took another running back. They took a guy that I, I really like, Zach Charbonnet. So they have two running backs now. They've just, I think, really surrounded Gino, who is, in a weird way, they're better because of him, but they're the one reason that you wouldn't say they terrify you. But they're just better. Like Seattle and Philly, I, 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 a, a lot of ways we could go here. Philly is a part of this. Seattle is part of this conversation in the NFC. I, that's the simplest way to put it. Like they, ha they are just part of the conversation. They're one of the teams that, and they play the Niners twice that you just got to go through and beat. They lacked, I mean, when the Niners two out of three games killed them last year. And it felt like they just lacked a little bit of talent. Because ultimately, let's use the Geno Alex Smith comp. Clearly a high level guy, been through a lot of shit, mentally pretty tough, has probably a more explosive arm, probably in a weird way has like this lower floor when he's off. Yeah, uh, we'll just do dumber shit. But like, clearly, if you have a really good team around him at this point in time, like, tries to make more plays, which leads to that. Yeah, you could win like, I mean, they won nine games. If their team was a little better, maybe they could win 10, 11. And I think their team definitely is like, I thought their first pick was fascinating. I, you know, who only they know and maybe they'll admit it, but they're in a weird way for a team that like is like cocky. They don't, it, they don't tell their own shit that often like they don't come out and say like we were going to take anthony richardson right it might come out in a year like they were all dialed in on that like that was going to be their pick and maybe they would have they're smart they wait for the guy to hit before they say that yeah <laughs> like he was our number one guy on the draft board remember that was good with russ well and this would be the classic like jalen carter gets arrested it'll leak out like we have no problem taking flyers but he was he, we were never touching him you know and i, I think them passing on that guy which they've taken over the years. I wonder if they went like, let's just take a guy that we view as Richard Sherman, you know, as a wired, like a, a Baldwin, just our type guy, guy that we consistently won with in Witherspoon. Like they, they didn't really overthink it there. He was wildly considered the number one DB on everyone's board. And like, 
in the immediate, I would say Jalen Carter would be a problem. Like, that's a tough guy for Burford to block, right? Like, right now, they did one-on-ones. If I had to put $100, who's going to win the first rep? Like, I'm probably leaning Jalen Carter. Now there's more to it. Like, can he get in trouble? I mean, Jalen Carter is considered shitty draft. He's an elite player in any draft. Two years ago, that draft that had 14 guys drafted off the team, it was like, well, Jalen Carter is the most talented guy in the whole group. Like, of their of all the guys drafted, he was the number one talent. That doesn't mean he's going to have the longest career or anything, but, like, he was much more talented than Jordan Davis, who went, whatever, 12 or 13 last year to the Eagles. And Seattle, I, I, I give them credit because I'd say historically, like, kind of that's who they want. Yeah. And they're just like, let's just go with the guy that's fucking wired like the guy we want. Right? Because ultimately, Jamal Adams is wired like they want. He just has limitations as a player, can't cover. But I do think he, like, cares about football. Try, he just gets injured now all the time. But, like, he wants to play football. And, like, he just wants to be all in on just kicking ass and taking names. He just can't cover. And, obviously, injuries now just – I mean, he missed most of last season. I, I even forget the injury. But he's been hurt since he's gotten there. That I, they, they do like guys that are wired like that. And, and you said you've heard, you've heard great things about Witherspoon. Oh, fucking bull. Uh, he was, people love the guy and love the tape. Like he was an ass kicker. Yeah. But I, I think like historically the kind of the gun slinging, you know, Seattle's got a little Jerry Jones in them, like get him with us. Jalen Carter's kind of the pick. And sometimes you, you benefit long-term when you're like, let's just, Let's take a guy we also love, but it's a little bit safer. Zach Martin, remember that that's who they didn't take Johnny Menzel. Let's just take a guy, might not be as sexy at the time, just a guard or a tackle, going to be a right guard, right tackle, whatever. Oh, look back up, he just made some Pro Bowls and just a core guy of your team. I think that's the way they lean there, which was a little surprising because I think they easily could have – a lot of people thought they were going to take Jalen Carter. I Rich. did. I mean, I was like, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, like that's right up their alley. From a Niners perspective, uh, now he ended up on the Eagles, and you still have to go through the Eagles, right? He and Nolan Smith, but they're more up. equipped to handle him because of like the older guys they got. Like ultimately, Seattle's a pretty young team. No, no, I, yeah, I'm just saying from like an. I agree with you. I'm just saying from a Niners perspective, he still ended up in a place that makes their life difficult. I would. They got to play, play them. They got to play win the, the, They play Philly play next year in Philly, but just big picture. I think a, a lockdown corner is less of a problem for the Niners than a, than a run stuffer or interior pass rusher, right? Because, and we've seen the Niners like play Jalen Ramsey. They have chess pieces offensively more so than just, you know, their DK Metcalf is a certain type of receiver. Debo and McCaffrey, these guys, Kittle, these are different types of pass catchers that you can scheme open as opposed to it's just one-on-one battles, snap after snap after snap. The guys that create problems for them. And they've done – I remember the, who was the guy who was like the Aaron Donald stopper? Burford? No, not Burford. <laughs> a couple of years ago, the Niners had the guy. Brunskill? Was, Brunskill, yeah, the Aaron Donald stopper. But, like, those, to me, pressure on the Niners quarterback is the problem. Because the key to the Niners is whoever Kyle has taken snaps, as long as he's got enough time to do what Kyle told him to do and put the ball in the hands of the guy that Kyle's getting open. You can gain yards, yeah. So, like – Purely from Niners v. Seahawks, he's a good player. If Witherspoon's a good player, that makes the Seahawks better. I'd prefer they had an all-pro corner than an all-pro defensive lineman. 
Yeah. But he ended up, that guy ended up on the Eagles. What's so the number one thing where, like, when the Niners played the Eagles, if they were playing this Sunday, what would you go? Well, Debo told us after the Super Bowl, he's like, you see their DBs? We would have fucking smoked them. But that's, the point was Debo, yeah, how do you block? Like, the number one thing we'll say is, like, they got about 10 guys up front. Like, this is going to be, Trent can't block them all. So it's like, Banks going to have to play his best game. Burford's going to have to step up. McKivitz and Brendel got to bring it, right? Because they, last year, the Eagles, most people, like Slay and Bradbury, arguably the best on-paper cornerback duo, and all the Niners players after, like, these, we just ran circles around them. But that, that, we were like, well, yeah, well, you got to block their pass rushers. And now they've, now you gained one of their pass rushers, but they also just, you couldn't have, he was by far the best replacement for Hargrave in the draft, right? <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah. again, universally accepted. It wasn't even an argument. Yeah, best prospect. Why? He's 6'5", he's 3'10", he was literally the most talented guy and arguably the most talented defense in the last 20 years. That had 14 players get drafted and seven go in the first round. Feels like he got lucky going to Philly. Like, how many players would you say if you were his agent and you were like a little unsure about him, the guy? Like, eh, we just we need somebody. You'd be like, the, you'd want him to go to the Niners. Obviously, that was not a possibility. You'd want him to go to Seattle. They didn't do it. You'd want him to go to Philly. You'd I don't want know him to go somewhere where he's not walks in immediately and goes, "I'm the best player here." Yeah. Where now he walks into his... And with a solidified organization, like a head coach and GM that can kind of tell him what to do. Well, here's the other thing. Their careers I, I, aren't made I, I watched some of the press conference of... For some reason, I thought Nolan Smith was a little smaller. Well, because everyone talks about him like he's small. Sitting next to Jalen, who's obviously enormous, Nolan looked huge, too. I'm like, these fucking guys... That, that to me, was like Georgia. Like, Jesus. And he's like... Nolan, I think a lot like last year, Nicobe Dean are like their Fred Warners of the program, like character leaders. Remember when Nolan Smith, you remember that viral moment at the combine? He ran like a four four eight, and all of Georgia's team was like in. I mean, it looked like this incredible area in their facility. Must have been like fifty guys just went nuts. Like he's beloved, and Nolan's like, "This is my brother, just like Jordan is, just like Nicobe is." And like we stick together here, we'll do whatever it takes. So part of it is not just you have older veterans, but you have other guys that like Jalen knows intimately well. Like I mean, think how much time they drafted. They drafted the Keely Ringo. I've mentioned it, but they draft. They got three Georgia guys this team, and then they've already drafted multiple Georgia guys in previous years. How much time have those guys? They're all defensive player just spent together the last four years. The amount of hours together, right? Buses, meetings practice, sideline, sitting next. You don't sit next to like Stetson Bennett on the sideline. You sit next to the other defensive guys. Right. Like they, they, they have talked to each other, parties, food. I mean, it's a very, very unique situation for the player. Honestly, it feels like one of the most unique things we've ever seen. He's got four other defensive teammates from Georgia. Not to mention... I mean, if he had to, like, oh, uh, you can't hang out with Georgia guys, he could. I guess he'd go hang out with two, Al- a couple Alabama guys. They, they all been through the wars together. Hurts probably know each other, right? It's a very. We're Seattle. Maybe they just thought we have this young nucleus. This is where I give them credit. It's not worth potentially throwing a wild card in here. That if it fails, it could throw everything that we kind of work to like pivot off Russ. Because they, they're going to get a lot of credit. If, if they make the playoffs again next year, and I would imagine a lot of people are going to pick them to be a wild card team, pretty unreal couple of years for Pete, I would yeah. say, pivoting off Russ. and just Like, what if they win 19 games in two years when everyone thought they were going to suck ass? 
And and what if this year they're just better? It's like, yeah, they, we got a little more pop to them. Also, if you're them, just think about all the receivers in your division, right? Cardinals, Rams, Niners. I would say that adding Jackson to go with DK, I mean, that's you'd feel for the next several years pretty good about that little crew. I mentioned Kenneth the other day, Walker. their number three receiver was like Noah Fant, but their number three receiver in the playoffs against the Niners was Marquise Goodwin. That's unacceptable. Yeah. So whatever that guy is, like he's gonna be, and he played on that. He kind of has been on that team where you're where there's a bunch of really good receivers around you. You know his brother played minor league is a minor league baseball player in like the Pirates organization. Who's like brother? Cameron Smith and Jigba. I think it's Cameron or something like that. Smith and Jigba. I he think did he was a in video. The big, was he in the big leagues? Oh, was he? Maybe. Maybe he is in the big leagues. I, I think he might. I think he might be. I love my favorite thing. It's it's like obviously just for the Bose headphones. When they do the video of like the kid puts on the headphones, he just watches a video from like his mom and his dad or his brother or his coach. I don't know if you saw Bryce Young's. Bryce's dad was so proud. His mom was so proud. Saban was just like, we're so proud of you at Alabama. You know, it was just like straight Saban. <laughs> was not emotional. This is one of the greatest quarterback coach players he's ever coached. But those, I'm always, I do enjoy those videos because it's always a little bit of a yeah, they're they're good tearjerker. I mean, the best, I would say the video of the weekend is the Cowboys director of scouting drafted yeah. his son. Right. Deuce Vaughn's a good player. I remember watching Kansas. He's the little number 22 running back. Yeah. I thought it was fucking awesome. Yeah, he's a really good player, right? Like, are we what sure round, that guy's not getting serious? It's. I think it was like the fifth or the sixth. Feels like that guy's getting legitimate snaps on the Cowboys this year. Yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard's coming off an injury. Zeke is gone. That was a cool moment. It was really cool. It was really cool. Did you guys ever draft when you were in Philly? Did you ever draft? Well, what? But he's kid. Andy's got. A, I, I noticed it. They did it again. In Philly, the big, couple big things were: well, always drafting a BYU guy. That was selfish for him. Always trying to get a Jewish guy on the squad. Right? How is there? Is there a Jewish guy every year? <laughs> well, available? it was like a J- Schwartz. And, yeah, Jeff Schwartz. It, it, it's few and far between. But if they Jeff they Schwartz. were around, we were. This year they drafted. An SMU wide receiver. Well, Clark Hunt's an SMU guy. Okay. And, and Clark went and they handed him the phone because Veach is like, calls him in like the fifth round. He's like, we had one goal when the day started. And I told my owner, we we're going to land someone from SMU. And then Clark gets the phone. He's like, it's proud to have a fellow Mustang. I watched a lot of you play. And you could tell like he thought he was really good. So it's like, okay. And if you're that good. Why would you not? Like, owner, who do you want? Yeah, fuck it. Let's take it. Well, the owner's been saying it. He's probably been texting for all season. Like, are you guys oh. watching SMU? And they're like, no. <laughs> We're not. It's an easy one. That's one yeah. thing. It doesn't feel like Kyle gives two shits about anyone Jed wants. Uh, no, Jed doesn't, doesn't feel like Jed says anything. doesn't feel like Jed has made a suggestion on a pick. I think that's a, that's a genius Andy morale booster of just keeping everyone happy in the room, non-football. It's like, then the owner's got a little pep in his step. Got someone to root for during training camp, you know? It also takes a little pressure off. It sends the signal, but like, guys, we're not doing brain surgery in the fifth round here. Just, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, guys, let's. the Niners got lucky when they took Brock Purdy. We all understand that, right? This guy's just as likely to be a quality control guy for me in three years than he is our starting right guard, you know? That's right. He's, he's got early retirement written all over him. <laughs> yeah. So, whatever. Yeah, did uh did Sac State's linebacker get drafted? Matu? Third round, Belichick. Third round? <laughs> Third round. 
Now, Bill, this is when I said that Bill moved up to get the kicker, like I showed the value. His value chart, I think, tends to be a little different than a lot of other people in the league. Interesting. I thought the Niners, so I did, you know, Stanford spring game like the other day. And Troy Taylor said, oh, John Lynch called the other day just to like see how we're doing. And I started thinking, I'm like, he called you a week before the draft to see how you're doing. I was like, Troy, are you saying the Niners could draft somebody from Sac State? And he was like, uh, well, you know, we do have the linebacker that people, a lot of people like. Niners like him too. I wonder if the Niners like that. We're going to draft that guy because John Lynch called Troy Taylor the other day. Did not confirm it was about him, but I don't know why John be calling just before the draft other than to. Well, when you say he would have been game, in, Troy, wouldn't you say that he might have been in the mix to be one of those third round picks? He went pick 76. Yeah. And the Niners took the linebacker from TCU. What pick number? I, definitely the fourth day. I mean, the third day. Yeah. I got it right here. Uh, he went 76. He's got to be the highest drafted Sac State guy in the history of the program, right? <laughs> oh, well, the the Niners took the defensive end. Fifth, fifth, uh, D winners went in the sixth. Robert Beal, who was the really the 4-4 Georgia defensive end, 4-4-4-40. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they would have taken him. They took it the cornerback. Maybe they would have taken him in the third round. It's did a lot to. Wasn't even an option. Bill. He was which which pick in the third round was he? He was. I mean, when does the third round start? Pick sixty one. I mean, he had fifteenth pick in the third. I know, it couldn't have been many. What number did you say it was? Seventy six. Third round started pick sixty four. Uh, so like the twelfth. I mean, yeah. Who knows? They might have liked him more than the safety from Penn State. Pretty nuts that like because you could argue if they drafted a linebacker at the same spot where they took Brown. You like that? Like to me, safety and line. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess your two linebackers are signed, so safety is a little more urgent. But either one, you could have used a guy. Sorry, what were you gonna say? The NFL draft's crazy. Like this guy from Sac State gets drafted, sandwiched between a guy from Ohio State and Tennessee. But then Tucker Craft, who I'd been hearing about, South Dakota State has a tight end drafted. Then it goes North Carolina, Oregon. You know, just it's those names are in there, but they are usually sandwiched between Bama, Georgia, Iowa, right, Minnesota, uh, UC Davis, and then, but then it's like four more, Florida, Miami, you know. God, it make, it, I'll tell you, I guess he's a – if I'm a small school defensive end, I might just try to get switched to, to tight – I mean, yeah, small school defensive end, I might try to get switched to tight end. Yeah. If you're big enough. It feels to me like if you're 6'4", Maybe you're not a pass rusher. You could you get drafted in the third round, the fourth round of the NFL draft as a tight end if you can catch. For sure. We're the defensive end. There's so many of these guys that are just freaks. Yeah. I mean, the, again, the Niners took a guy who ran a 4-4-40 in the fifth round at defensive end from Georgia. 6-4-250. Something's got to be. That's a, I want maybe there's a backup. I mean, it's hard it's hard to hard to crack the lineup there. I mean, he is he drafted that high? Is he a third-round pick if he's the pass rusher at UCLA where he's getting many more reps? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know enough. I got to do some recon on him. 4-4-8. Four, four, um, we, got, we, got, we, got, we got Warriors, Lakers, by the way. Can I just – I've been getting a lot of heat. Four? You know, I, I think people – you and I talked about this over the last couple of weeks, but like 
people are just flabbergasted. Like, how could you not root for the Kings? I'd argue, like, if I had, I don't you mean care like about people you know, like close people. Like, aren't you from Stack? Aren't you rooting for the Kings? A lot of people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, every I get, angle. People, people on social media. People. If it was the 49ers, I don't necessarily care about the Giants right now because they're terrible and like I'm just what a, you know I don't I hate Gabe Kapler but like you're not, you're never gonna find me like I I might actually kind of like the colors but I'm not like gonna become a Dodger fan you know I I'm not I would never start rooting for the Rams I I think we're looking at this a little differently like the Kings most of my life were terrible and no one really paid attention to them right I mean in our youth they were so god awful that it was like. I, I grew up in the 90s. Like, I watched Michael Jordan, NBC in the morning. Like, if you ask me, like, at 12 years old, who are you a fan of? I'd be like, Chicago Bulls. I love Michael and Scotty, right? I I would have known known more about Charles Barkley or John Stockton. The NBA was much more built on the pillars of those type guys. It's not like I lived in New York and I rooted for the Bulls and I had the Knicks. The Kings were the bar of the joke. And then for like three or four years, they were really good. Which we were in high school and it was awesome. It was really cool. And then they immediately didn't just kind of get bad again. They became they set the standard in in pro sports. Like there were many times they made like the Raiders and Browns look competent. Like they, they were the joke. And keep in mind, unlike football, like everyone's not on TV, national TV all the time, every year. So you and I moved away from Davis. I didn't watch them. I moved away. They're not on television. I couldn't watch them for 15 years. <laughs> But they're, they're, I think their playoff streak was 17. No, no, I know. I'm just saying, like, not only were they bad, you couldn't have watched them if you wanted to for 15 years. They were but, so irrelevant. They were never playing a big game on TNT. They, they were completely irrelevant. I didn't even fall wins or losses. It, none of matter. it mattered. Yeah. None of it mattered. Every draft pick they picked sucked. It was, they, they'd be, I, whatever. I just, I just kind of followed the NBA. And then you and I, you know, you move to the Bay Area, we get the radio show. Stephen Clay kind of happens, and it's like going to all those games. I started rooting for them. It's like we're eight years old again. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. And you know what? So did the rest of the country. You see the television ratings that they became the Bulls. And it wasn't like I started rooting for them, and they're in Florida. They were literally down the street. Could have conversations with their coaches. Fucking know the owner's kid. Uh, talk to uh, Clay on the bench, whatever. Remember that one time? It was like, this is just, I just follow them. I've literally watched all their games for a decade. I've watched a total beside this year of like five Kings games. You did their post game in the height of their just irrelevancy. Like it wasn't. Well, not and dysfunction. I mean, it was DeMar. It was irrelevant. George Carl. It was, it was so hard to root for it to succeed. Like that was the part that was crazy. You couldn't. You now could. it doesn't it, when I went to the game or when I was watching the series I wasn't rooting for the Kings to like suck or be a joke. I, I still like I I it was cool. I'm I'm glad Sack has something going. But like what you saw the other night game 7, what we witnessed in game 5, the greatness of being able to win those two away games. It's like that I'm not rooting for the Warriors cuz I think like there's this cute little story. I've been invested now for a decade. It's unlike anything I've ever seen beside the things of like Shaq and Kobe or Tom Brady and the Patriots or Michael Jordan. Like it's an all timer, Tiger Woods. It's, it's on the short list of like, we're never seeing this again. And I've been literally invested. So yeah, like at the end of the day, whenever this ends, like I'm rooting for the Kings, but like, I, I, kinda, I mean, I don't care. Like Sabonis <laughs> yeah, yeah. doesn't do that much for me. 
They, they just will never Locked have up. the invest what I've invested into Steph Clay and Draymond. When those well, guys if, leave, I won't care as much anymore. But as long as those guys are around, and I'm I'm quadrupling down this series, I, I fucking hate the Lakers. I have no hate for the Kings. I but, love their but see, fans. That's where the Kings fandom kind of works here. Is as a Kings fan, you really hate the Lakers, and then you morph it into what the Lakers are now, and it translates. I don't know. Kind of. I saw someone do a, a poll though, and. I saw a lot of people say that they're going to root for the Lakers because they, they're they, Kings they, fans. Yeah, because ultimately the Lakers, like that's twenty years ago now. Like they uh, wanted to be what the Warriors. You know, are. I'm not big on like Twitter accounts, but the Kings tweeted after Game Seven, beat LA like handshake emoji. Oh, they like did. if there's something we can agree on, it's that right? We hate the Lakers. Wayne, don't you think like when that game ended? Kings fan rooting for the Lakers is insane. Like that is insane to me. I, I completely agree. I mean, Kerr, that's crazier than rooting for the Warriors. Curran and Mike Brown had a longer embrace than most couples have had in the last like five years. Draymond went on after like, yeah, let's let's face it, most players we faced over the last decade, he didn't name names, but it was you know Harden, Russ, Blake Griffin, the long list of frauds. <laughs> you go in and you lose respect for him after you play him. Fox is the opposite. Well, like, yeah, these guys are coming. They're they wax poetic about this group. Yeah, yeah. And Monk, like oh, they just they play hard. The coach yeah. is likable. Uh, I think Fox is like watching those seven games rocketed up my list of he's at the top. If you said, all right, you're going to starting 2023, 2024 NBA season, you got to watch a game a night. Like All of a sudden, the Kings are really high on that list, right? Just because of the Aaron Fox. And I guess the way I should, you know, try to explain this is you have to earn my basketball watching like uh, time. I don't make money off watching basketball. So if I'm watching it, it's really more of a passion. And the Warriors are an enjoyable watch. Now, Fox earned that, right? You, you couldn't yeah. pay me. Like, I think the Sixers play tonight. Embiid's out. I, I, I will not give my time to watch James Harden play basketball. I will probably watch very, very little of that series. Well, that series is new to me. It's like if you tell me there's a game tonight and it's eight minutes left and it's tied, I'm watching. I'm interested. Like, I just want to see somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. I'll turn it on and I'll root for somebody. I don't know. Right? But you're not getting tip-off. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, part of it is you were not – it's not like you were a diehard from age 8 to age – right, 8. Like you said, it was the 90s. You were like a 25-win team. When I was born, the Giants were sweet. The fucking 49ers were like – the Yankees, I mean, it was it, it was hard to even balance that. The basketball, their status relative to the other two sports around us in Northern California was such a distant third. The only thing that matters is like, oh, oh, the Bulls come in March. You know, the Bulls come in March. And luckily back in 95 or 92 or 97, you knew Michael would play. And we've talked about this before. The equivalent now, like the Kings would immediately be skipped that level team in the nineties, what it is now, like that would be a rest day for all the sweet players. Oh, right. Right. Back then you didn't skip. Yeah. Those. You, didn't you could go to a game. I remember going to a game. MJ. You might've gone, you maybe you did. I don't know. I went with AJ, AJ's dad. Maybe it was like EG or Chris Dance, And like they were playing the late nineties, uh, Sixers and Allen Iverson dropped like 48. It was I wasn't awesome. You might have been Chris, but it was just, I just remember, and I always, and I, and it pisses me off now. People are like, you hate the NBA. No, I hate that knowing that Allen Iverson never would have played in that game now. 
he would have, but like the equivalent of him skips that game. Just yeah. the fuck you to the paying customer. And I, I just want to watch. I just want to know I'm watching the star tonight. Baseball yeah. tells you. I know. I know two weeks in advance if I'm seeing the starting pitcher or not. Right. I used to do it all the time as a kid. We go to baseball games all the time. You would look when did the guy pitch. I'd count up their games and try to figure out who we're seeing. Right. All the time. Every time I went to a baseball game as a kid. Am I getting Matt Cain today? As a kid, but when young Matt Cain or whoever, right? Yeah. Linscombe pitching tonight? Linscombe? Yeah. It was very simple. You can count on it. Um, but the Kings are back. The one thing, I didn't I didn't say this during the series because I didn't, because obviously I was, I was rooting for the Warriors too, which my mom, I talked to her yesterday, she was not happy about, but the Kings have not had a good uniform in our lifetime, I don't think. When we were kids and they were playing the Lakers, they had the, their uniforms were like the next. If you go back and look, their necks were all stretched out. Their uniforms now are hideous. I don't know who's in charge of the uniforms, but I don't think the Kings have had a good looking uniform in our lives. See, I don't. I don't think they look too terrible. I don't no. notice them. I think the shorts are bad. The shorts have to be cool. They don't have good shorts. But did, did you see any of the highlights from the Mexico game that the Giants played the Padres? Wasn't there like 15 home runs hit in that game? <laughs> yeah, the first game, I guess Tatis hit a homer that based on the exit velocity and launch angle, it would have been a it had a seven percent chance of being a hit, but it was a home run because it's the elevation's two thousand feet higher than Denver. Mexico City's where they're playing? Yeah, Mexico City. And I guess the field's kind of shitty. Not Azteca. They don't turn that thing into a baseball, do they? No, they play. Uh, I don't think it was Azteca. They played this place at a place where I guess there's a racetrack that goes around the outside of the stadium. <laughs> I love Mexico. <laughs> like cars, like cars racetrack. You oh, know, like, oh, oh I, I thought you meant horse. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, not horse. Be, it'd be long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's that's pretty unique. But the Padres had like these uniforms made especially for the games in Mexico because they were the home team. And the Giants just wore their regular uniforms, which I thought was weird. Like, if one team is going to wear Mexican-themed jerseys. Why not go Gigantes or something? Yeah, I don't. maybe they did. I don't know. I didn't see either of the games. I did hear Ron Wotus say that they put, like, the biggest cheer was, like, for the mariachi band in between, like, you know, (laughs) in between, like, the fourth and fifth innings or whatever. The Padres were putting on sombreros after they hit home runs. (laughs) That's pretty cool. (laughs) Oh, they did Matt on the stream. Uh, pink onion pizza said uh, that they they wore the Gigantes jerseys. I just mean like that's not good enough when one team does like the full outfit, you know, and it's like they just wore the T-shirt. It was like, you know, it's a week. It's like going to Halloween. Somebody wears a sweet costume and you just wear a shirt that says security on it. And you're like, this is my costume. I was like, well, Why didn't you get ready for this thing by wearing a full on? I feel like if the NFL did that and did the equivalent that there'd be a lot of New York Times think pieces about like appropriation or some bullshit. <laughs> you say if they went to Mexico and had and like the Cowboys for touchdowns, yeah, but even like change, you know, their name to right Los whatever. Cowboys, yeah, like the Texans. They just put whoever. Los in front, yeah, <laughs> Los Suns, <laughs> exactly. Giants, Gigantes, like Giants, Cowboys, or whatever the game was. Yeah, I, I feel like the you know. Again, I don't know who would actually consume that, but it, it would get ridden. And maybe it's out there on the on the internet somewhere. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I loved it. 
not that I watched. I just saw maybe it was 11 home runs. Wasn't the final score like 16 to 10 or something? Yeah, the, the first game was a crazy game. And then yesterday was like, I actually watched some of that game because Yastrzemski got hurt on the bad turf. I guess it was like super thin turf. Woda said it was, he's like, it wasn't quite veteran stadium. It was thicker than that, but. Well, remember the the Chiefs Rams had to yank their game out? Yeah, I <laughs> that was the turf to me is kind of crazy that they played on it, uh, that the players didn't complain. I don't know if the players have complained, but. uh was like feels like everyone oh, sniffs. Game was like six, seven, four or something. Feels like everyone sniffs around Mexico City because it's technically for us. It's the closest. Like it makes more sense logistically than London. But London would be much safer in terms of the infrastructure there. Right? What is said they're all they're all eating peanut butter and jellies. Like everyone's <laughs> afraid to eat. Yeah, the, the water situation. Like you go to London, you're you're not worried about all the other stuff. They're playing. It's, so the Cubs are playing in England this year. Yeah, I think in Mexico, it's so much easier. Yet there's so much more shit that is out of your control yeah. that are like, God damn, we can't. We got to bring eight million bottles of Aquafina with us because we can't fucking with water. <laughs> the over under yesterday, Armando was twenty. Said it was twenty. It was the largest over under in the history of baseball. Uncrustables with us because we don't have any food to eat. <laughs> uh, Warriors in five. God, I hope you're right. Here's the other thing. Jordan, Poole, Jordan Poole's got to play his way back onto the team. For honest to God, honest to God, I would feel this way. Once it was pretty clear, like the Lakers were going to win the series early on, the Grizzlies were gutless. Dylan Brooks, Jesus, talk about a fall from grace. That guy's a laughing stock. Is that like, I do not think the Kings could beat the Lakers. I have zero faith. And as we saw, like the Kings. Everyone's like, the, game, the game's could have gone this way. Well, they didn't, and for a reason. Like, it's because Steph Curry, Draymond Clay, these guys are just Steph better than you. Steph in game seven. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. not a could have gone the other way. And they broke you they in game five. They did one to 17 from three in the second half. But, but they can't get a rebound. They broke yeah. you in game five. Like, 20, I, think, on the I feel like the Lakers would have done the same. I just don't think you could have beat the Lakers. And the Warriors, listen, I'm going to talk a ton of shit. They just better win this series. Win this series, listen, you can get bounced in that, whatever. This is this season for me is not about a title, though it would be like it's like then you want to lose to KD, you want to lose to the Nuggets. Yeah, but I think you could just what you beat the Kings and the Lakers that way. It'd feel if you're gonna go out in the third round, you could do that. Yeah, but you just gotta beat you gotta. NBA playoffs are long, man. They can be a long road to achieve. Every time you're like, God, how have they done this this many times? Like, just beat Kings was exhausting. Why not? I was talking to at the, on the golf course the other day, and they're like, God, it feels like the series has been going on for a month. I'm like, fuck. Only two more to get to the finals. <laughs> yep. Well, Kings, you know, yes. Sometimes this is not trying to be a shot at you, Kings fans. But you have this, and I see it come out, because a lot of them have, like, they're Niner people, and they talk shit about the Raiders. Well, the Raider in you comes out, when you discuss this hierarchy, it's like, yeah, you got to earn that fucking hierarchy, guys. You know, here's the thing I never st- understand, and this is the same thing, is like, you get pit like, we all knew about the, the like we knew about the Kings and all you other people that are coming now. You're just on the bandwagon. It's like, yeah, that's called growing a fan base. I don't think yeah. Joe Lacob's complaining about the ever all the people that came to the Warriors. It's how he built a new stadium, right? It's like, and I used to see it all the time when the when I was doing a stuff and they were good and people would be like. Who are these other reporters who only show up for the playoffs? Like I see media would say, and like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, well, how could you possibly complain about that? How could you complain about more people wanting to be the fan of your team? You know who never talks like that? 
the like Lakers fans, the Yankees Cowboys, fans. the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. But even just the reporters around there, they're just a big yeah. picture. Oh, I big... see. Now they're showing up. Okay. Yeah. Most people won't spend 80 bucks for a Tuesday night when you're 17 games under 500. It's not worth their time. I'll tell you, I, I, I do wonder if I haven't checked the ticket price. So I would guess the Lakers, uh, Warriors tickets near the court are going to be outrageously oh. high. <laughs> it, it, can you imagine game three in L.A., what that thing's going to go for? Well, what, I remember the, the tickets for LeBron, just LeBron like breaking the scoring record were outrageous. Well, this it's got to be bigger game three in L.A. for that. Yeah, year, th- than right? that. I agree, hundred percent. I I bet there's going to be a line where like, how famous do you got to be to get near the front? You see, Jack was there the other night. Was he? Is he on? Has he been a recluse? Someone said the last like five years. I told you that because I taught. I I met a. I talked to a guy when I was in L.A. for a basketball game, who's part of the Lakers, like basketball, like behind the scenes, like TV stuff. Doesn't doesn't come to games anymore. Yeah, he doesn't come to games anymore. And you, you can see, he, like, he's just, you could, you could, see, I mean, he's older. He's, I don't, I don't know. How, how old is he? 80, I would guess. <laughs> yeah. oh, was he? Was that his kid? Was that, that was his son next to him, right? Is that who it was? I don't know. 86. Yeah, I mean, he's not a spring chicken. Yeah. Do you expect to see him there? Is he the most famous Laker fan? Yeah, him, Larry David, Diane, is Diane Cannon still, uh, but number you would one. say that he is their Spike Lee, right? Yeah, he's number one. Jimmy Goldstein. But Jimmy's he was at the Lakers series. Jimmy I mean, bounces around series. a little bit. I know he's ever he was at the Kings yeah. games. So was Kyrie, and John and Kyle drove up for it. I would. Did imagine. you see the picture? Somebody tagged us in that photo. Was that Kyle's kid with the Texas hat? Had to be right. Didn't see. Was that on TV? You saw him. Uh, well, yeah, it was Kyle John sitting right behind Kyrie. Is that the picture? I saw about? a photo. No, I saw somebody tagged us in a photo of like. They were like five rows behind them, and he they got he got the John and Kyle to turn around for a selfie, with like the guys in it, you know, holding it, and then they're in the background like smiling. It was a nice photo, so that's what I saw. I didn't see what you saw. With the they kids. must, I mean, I I get that's from Santa Clara to Sacramento. I mean, they, they just had the draft. I mean, those guys must really like basketball. Game seven, yeah. I mean, you think they just up and back get a car service? I mean, you I don't drive know. A jet it, would you? Uh, it's a Sunday. Traffic should be workable. Helicopter? Seems a little crazy. Could just have, you know, the Niners SUV, the driver take you. Does he get to go to the game? Does he wait outside for you? Waits outside, yeah. I, it is downtown. I guess it's not like a parking lot situation. So They're probably under the stadium. They got a spot for the VIPs. It looked like Kyle's, uh, Kyle's, Kyle's son. Yeah. Texas fan. Yeah. Okay. On that note, later, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Adios. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.